Today in Agronomy on KFIL AM 1060 with Pioneer Field Agronomist Allie Wise and Josh Schaffner. Here's Josh and Allie. Good morning, Southeast Minnesota. It's February 3rd, 2021, and this is episode 58, Allie. Um, yeah, good to be back in studio here um, for another episode. Um, kind of, a, again, an exciting time of year, even though we're all trying to you know maybe catch up and take a little break and, and um, catch up on some things. We're also still busy planning for for uh, this upcoming crop and with the way the commodity prices are, are ever changing and kind of volatile it uh, you know we talked about how that changed the outlook and I think we'll maybe continue on that trend as a lot of the, the questions we're receiving from our customers as they make plans is, is kind of hinging around that so today Ellie, I think in the the first segment we're going to talk a little bit about um, uh, inferral fungicides and we'll maybe take this fungicide in general but uh, that question has came up quite a bit um, but Ali, you know, when you think about fungicide specifically to corn, you know, let's just go through maybe our three opportunities to make applications and then we'll, we'll maybe roll into some of the pros and cons of each one. Yeah. So fungicide, obviously always a hot topic. So I think it'll be interesting just to take a different angle, just knowing that there are some newer products on the market, specifically in that inferral range. So for starters, inferral would be your first option for a fungicide application. Like you said, we'll talk through what are those factors that would maybe justify that, that application. Um, that V5 kind of V7 window would be that next window of opportunity that a lot of folks look at, um, maybe from a just ease of use from the machinery machinery available across their operations. You know, there's certainly some more factors um, that allow folks to look a little earlier. And then obviously the most common fungicide timing being that VT fungicide application window. So a lot of data around that window as well, a little bit more maybe arguably known about the VT uh, fungicide applications, but like we said, we're just going to take some time and I'd like to just pick your brain on, you know, of these three timings, what do we know about these? What has worked well? Maybe what hasn't worked well? Um, just to maybe set the stage here. Yeah, Ellie, I think I'll, I'll take those in order. Um, you, you mentioned inferral first and in something that we've seen a little bit of, I don't think this has been a, a wide use practice across Southeast Minnesota. Uh, we did a little work on this, um, I think back in 16, 17, somewhere in that time frame, where we, we took multiple locations and did a little inferral fungicide work. Um, just to make a long story short, the, the one thing we did see, we did see improved final stands uh, kind of across the board of all the hybrids we checked. On average, we were about 500 plants per acre final stand better. Fast forward and take that to yield. The one thing we noticed that early hybrids, when I say early, like 95 to 98 day hybrids, we did see a small yield bump. As we got to fuller season hybrids, we really didn't see a yield response at all. And we really chalked that up to, in a lot of cases, earlier hybrids um, have better response to final population. So we actually think we picked up the yield from just having more plants, more so than an improvement to disease control, where we went, once we got to later hybrids, it was a wash. We, we couldn't say there was an advantage. Um, the V5 applications, you mentioned, it's opportunistic because um, we're already out there with a weed control pass. Um, you know, in that one, we're maybe chasing I always say we're probably hoping to get the, the two to four bushel response. So we're not chasing a big response. Um, and my take is on, on some springs that if we went through a lot of tough conditions from planting to V5, we might get the upper end of that response. If you've had a good growing season till then, it seems like it, it's to be a wash. And we don't see the big agronomic improvement. You know, when you get to harvest, it's really hard to say, did I get better stock, standability, intactness? Um, that's one thing that um, I've maybe not been there. But you think about it too, when you think about V5, you know, probably about 75% of that fungicide is hitting bare dirt. So we're not getting full use out of the product either in that situation. Fast forward to VT, um, you and I have talked about that a lot. We usually see really good results. Timing is critical. 
Uh, I like that application because it's a big investment. However, some cases you can see some 15 to 30 bushel responses. You know, if we're going to spend 30 bucks, we, we got to get some ROI. But uh, we see the yield response. We see the great agronomic improvement and harvestability, things like that. Um, so that, that's kind of what we've seen so far. And, um, you know, there, Allie, there's some new products coming to this infro market that's got some intrigue, some new formulations, you know, maybe better translocation. You know, what are some reasons growers might be looking at this? Um, you know, what are what's some of the, the key acres that maybe they're targeting for this, Allie? Well, I think for that infro acre, it's maybe the same approach generally that folks are looking at, at that V5. And that's just the ability to make an application where aerial applications aren't possible. So certainly we're not promoting, if you're in an area where you can make safe, very profitable applications via aerial or, or ground fungicide rigs at VT, you know, that would maybe be the preferred, but we have a lot of areas, especially where you work east of 52, that it's just not logistically feasible to cover all of those um, acres in that VT timeframe. Uh, you think about just the, the topography of your fields, a lot of crooked fields, crooked rows. It's just, you know, you're maybe running down more more corn than you're actually helping. So I think that's the first thing that maybe comes to mind of why would we think about looking at those infro applications versus the VT that we know so much about. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest pro in my mind. And then we also talked about, you know, folks that are utilizing that V5 stage fungicide application. Um, you mentioned a lot of that can maybe tend to be hitting the dirt and we're not maybe getting the translocation we'd like to see through that plant. Um, maybe just take us a little deeper into what the benefit that has just in terms of plant translocation from the infro. Yeah. And I think that was always, you know, a concern in the past is, you know, how long can we get effect from something at planning and, and can we get good translocation? Some some new products are, are really intriguing that that might be driving that um, translocation a little better to, to really get some season long benefit from that. And that's probably been the the shortfall of it to date. And it'll be interesting to see if this works out better. And uh, some of the new formulations also are, are liquid fertilizer friendly. So we don't got to add equipment. And that's another easy way to get some side-by-sides, do, do some trials. And hopefully we can have some data on this uh, when we talk maybe a year from now, Allie. Uh, after the break, be sure to join us. We'll, touch, we'll continue to touch on some other topics and uh, maybe talk about corn maturity moving forward. Welcome back, listeners. So Josh, great discussion in, in segment one, just talking about infro fungicide applications. You've certainly had a lot more questions of that in the past weeks. And I think it was just nice to talk through uh, the options we have available, even though those have always been there. But like we talked about, some newer options that give you a little bit more flexibility coming to market. Uh, but as we shift into segment two, you know, in last week's show, we did talk a little bit about the maturity sweet spot that we like to live within here in Southeast Minnesota. Um, and I think that's important to just maybe dig a little bit deeper into, especially when we look at, you know, the commodity markets, as we know, are positive right now. We talk a lot about those in the news daily, but I think, you know, we get a lot of, of uh, questions about how that can maybe impact some of our day-to-day decision-making as we look towards 2021. Um, and so specifically, like I said, I think it's just important to maybe dig back into what, how can we find that mix between our early maturities, the later ones, knowing that maybe yield tends to trend with those later maturities and just, that's a very open-ended question, but yeah. maybe we could just, we could just dial that in here. Yeah. And, and these are questions that are common, especially when you, when you see the commodity price go through, you know, such a really fast dramatic change, like it has the last three months and, and if you think back to um, the 2019 crop and maybe a little bit of the 2020, not so much, but the 19 crop, which was so wet and, and we were you know, in some deflated commodities where the, the dryer gas bill was a, a big player on the bottom line in the balance sheet at the end of the year. And, 
And, and when you get into years like that, um, you know, AGI, if you got some earlier high risk yielding well, it's not uncommon to see, you know, more, you know, more net profit per acre on, or, or even, you know, on those earlier hybrids than late, you know, but now you fast forward and we're kind of looking at this differently where it's like, wow, you know, the bushels are, are a big deal. And, and just for example, you know, going back to 2020, which you know, wasn't a, a, a terribly wet crop, I'd say it was a drier crop than, than what we're used to, especially from the previous couple of years. You know, if you just look at, you know, a 98 day, which is in our plot versus 104 day, you know, you know, it was, you know, there's like 20 more dollars per acre when you look at that later hybrid from the yield increase. So, you know, it's, all, it's a 14 bushel better hybrid, but you, you start looking at drying costs and say, okay, you know, it was, you know, maybe a small gap. Now that gap's getting bigger. So you always got to look at, now you work that backwards. It's like, it's like, okay, well, gosh, now at this price, boy, I can dry more corn. The bushels become more valuable to me than, than when corn is 350 and we're, we're really struggling with moisture. So it's a, it's a catch that you got to kind of really reevaluate of, of what that is. And in simple terms, when we look at what's the yield advantage for every CRM we go up, on average, it's about a bushel and a half per CRM. Now, Ali, some of our data might suggest in some cases, especially last year, it was a little greater than that. I'm not sure if you want to touch base on that just a little bit with some of our breakouts that we saw, you know, maybe exceeding that 1.5 a little bit. Yeah. So if we break out our data from last year, actually by hybrid, they started to vary anywhere from you know, two and a half to three bushels. So certainly mm. a, a lot more than that one bushel, um, you know, a bushel and a half per maturity on average. But, you know, that's one year of data. But I do think it's worth taking a look at. Obviously, we can't we don't have our magic uh, ball to predict what that trend line will look like this upcoming year. But it is something to, to take a look at, I think, from the angle. Like you said, we're in a position of from a drying standpoint, we know we're going to likely be able to dry it dry more corn with the current markets in the state that we're in. So as we sit here today, I, you know, we're certainly not suggesting that everyone should shift everything um, late, but I think we're maybe focusing on, in some cases, maybe we're still living in that world of 2019 where we made that knee jerk reaction to push everything earlier. And there's that missed opportunity of, of not capitalizing on some of those later maturities. So how would you lay that out for someone that's, you know, we're not trying to push everyone late, late, late. Um, but how can we maybe find some some balance there? Yeah, I think there's two ways to look at it. Um, you know, one thing I've I've experienced this working with producers through the years is you know when you take a 2019 that was so wet and we just burned through drier grass like crazy. Sometimes we see knee jerk reactions where we go really early. In some cases, it's just like I'm just not dealing with that drier bill again. Where we shift that way early, but now we're going through the data. It's like, well, what if you left? 10, 12 bushels on the table by doing that. And now if you start calculating that forward, you know, what's the, did I miss on some opportunity or didn't I? Now on the flip side, just because last year was dry, I also don't want everyone to take a knee-jerk reaction and say, okay, I'm not planning anything early, you know? So sometimes we see these, these knee-jerk reaction swings and, and you reference it, Allie, we can't crystal ball what the year is, is going to be. And I know I, I've said this on the show a couple of times, but you know, when you look at your maturity, it's just a good time of year right now to make sure, okay, what is my maturity spread? I don't know if that's something every producer goes through in detail. You know, have I made some knee-jerk corrections that I should maybe try to balance out? Um, you know, Ali, I, I probably call, you know, Southeast Minnesota, we're probably 101, 102 day, you know, average maturity zone. I think we, I probably used to call it a hundred. I think in, in time we've maybe shifted a little bit, a little bit later. Um, but making sure you got, you know, half your acres that are probably in that hundred to 103, you know, is important, you know, having, 
25% early or 25% later is just a, a really simple way to put it. I always try to tell growers to always live within that bell curve of you know, having half of it right in the middle, a quarter of it earlier and a quarter of it later. And that way you won't make that mistake. However, if you've swayed one way or the other, you know, just studying that out, I think is just really important to make sure you got that right balance. Number one, to spread risk, but also to capitalize on the opportunity. Because I think in this market, I wouldn't want to be swayed way early, you know, or way late coming to this year. But um, anytime the commodity prices go up, I'd say you'd want to make sure you really got that dialed in. Because if you start leaving, like we said, 10, 12 or two bushel per CRM on the table, um, the dryer cost is going to offset that really fast if you're capturing those bushels. Great discussion today, Josh. Um, let us know if we can help with any of your plans moving forward for 2021. We'll be back next week with more planning for the year. You've been listening to Today in Agronomy on KFILAM 1060. If you've missed part of the show or want to hear more, check out the show page at kfilradio.com or with the 103.1 KFIL app. Stay connected with Allie and Josh on Twitter. It's at AllieGYSWISE and at Josh Schaffner to submit your questions for the show. Tune in next Wednesday for the next Today in Agronomy on KFIL AM 1060.